0: Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there
3: Hello, I'm Marcy Brockman, author, artist, English teacher, and podcaster. My memoir, Permission to Land, Searching for Love, Home, and Belonging, is my story of surviving mental illness and addiction, to learn to grant myself permission to grow, heal, and build a beautiful life for myself and my children. And check out the companion guided journal, Permission to Land, Personal Transformation Through Writing. Both are available wherever books are sold online, and signed copies are available at my website, MarcyBrockman.com. Taking my mission of healing storytelling worldwide is my hit podcast, Permission to Heal. Each episode provides inspiration, connections, and wholehearted vulnerability as we learn to give ourselves permission to heal. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Find Permission to Heal wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Find me, my books, and podcasts, and so much more at marcibrockman.com.
1: Interestingly enough, my youngest child, at the age of nine, one morning before school, came and hugged me really, really tight, tears just streaming down her little cheek, beautiful little blonde hair. And I looked down at her and I said, what is wrong? Are you okay? I said, mommy. And she just has this tears just streaming down her cheek, And she says, daddy loves you. He just shows it by being me. And I thought, I thought I'd throw up. I literally thought I would throw up. We're teaching this beautiful nine-year-old girl that love is me.
0: Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us. And they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning. If you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey beautiful souls, thank you so much for joining me again to hear part two of Nita's story. We heard last week from Nita about how she learned to abandon herself in childhood to keep herself safe and how she ended up in a marriage where she abandoned herself over and over and over and just feeling so alone, just that image of Nita in the hospital giving birth to her first son, losing his twin brother and feeling that the only person in the world who was there to support her in that moment was the doctor who held her hand throughout it all. It's heartbreaking to hear and as we head into part two of Nita's story we'll hear from her about how her nine-year-old daughter came to her with tears streaming down her face to say Daddy loves you, he just shows it by being mean. In this moment, Nita realised she had to change her situation in big ways. And that's not easy by any means. It's not a decision you can take lightly or implement straight away. There are four children to consider. There is a volatile partner to consider. Not to mention your own mental health stability and your own safety please join me in hearing nita's story part two and so you go on to have have a total of four children um and then at what point do you realize that you can't continue in the marriage that you've you found yourself in
1: So there had been a long period of time that was rocky and then it would level out and be like a little honeymoon period, but he would go through, for lack of a better way to put it, almost like psychotic break where his mental health, his mental illness would consume our lives and his panic disorder would consume our life and it would shut down our life. So we would go through these cycles depending on where his mental health was and sometimes we'd have to go get his medication changed he would disagree that it needed to be changed and i would literally drag him to the doctor and the doctor would say "Mm, i believe her because anybody who's willing to come in with somebody and say this is the stuff that's happening please help us i think our medic the medication is off clearly wants some success in their family and you know you don't have any reasons like you're, you're just telling me no so that became more and more frequent during those years of, of kids that we that that i was dragging him in to get his medication checked up well then it became just as as our youngest got older um it became like a taboo topic you couldn't talk to him about his medication at all he literally refused and then it became a resentment thing of like okay I'm not going to talk to you about your medication. I'm not even going to, you can fill in the blank, like, right? It just became this area of almost frightening occurrences. And during that, my mom keeps pointing out and even meets with my ex uh, and meets with me individually after a couple of really bad incidents happened uh, uh, over Easter and Easter timeframe. And some birthdays, Thanksgiving, uh, just about any holiday, you know, um, she, she got together a bunch of information about verbal and emotional abuse and she brought it to us. And she said, I think this is, I know, not I think, I know this is what's happening in your family. This is interesting because this is my mom, right? She is able to see what's happening externally. So she brings that and um, for a little while things get better, but I'm not ready to hear what she's saying. I am, I am telling her, this is between you and him. This is not my problem. And of course it's my problem, right? But I'm not really willing to get there. I mean, we have now a child who is my oldest, would have been then seven, eight years old. He's struggling with weight issues. He, is, um, he has rage issues. He has um, self-loathing, self-hate. Just massive in this beautiful little eight-year-old person. Massive tears. So your dad would say something about whatever he's eating, and it would be, you know, he would just go to this massive self-abandonment and hurt because you know he's enjoying his cake or his pie or whatever. I don't know, but his dad would ruin that for anybody, right? Just by some snide comment. And so I started to see this happening, this pattern happening in my children, and I didn't know what to do about it. So I would take to the doctor and I would do whatever she would say to do the research and the this and the that. And I I would just try, but I never addressed the issue. I never addressed the issue. I started doing more and more research uh, secretly, like on your, like something like your Instagram page. I would have gone to a page like that and I would have researched the heck out of it and learned everything that I could learn and learning that my life was not normal. So secretly, I constantly was out there researching and digging through stuff. And then I would try to see like, okay, maybe he'll go to therapy. Maybe he'll go to counseling with me. Let's go to marriage counseling. And I would just get such verbal punishment pushed back on me because this is not my problem, Nita. This is your problem. This isn't our marital problem. You have a problem. It was always me. So it became more and more of me secretly researching and learning. And then finally realizing he's not going to, he's never going to meet you there. He's never going to believe you. Um, And interestingly enough, my youngest child at the age of nine, one morning before school came and hugged me really, really tight, Tears just streaming down her little cheek, beautiful little blonde hair. And I looked down at her and I said, her name is Sarah. What is wrong? Are you okay? I said, mommy. And she just has tears just streaming down her cheek, And she says, daddy loves you. He just shows it by being me. And I thought, I thought I would throw up. I literally thought I would throw up. We're teaching this beautiful nine-year-old girl. That love is me. I didn't even know what to do with it. I held on to it for the day. Uh, the next morning, before the house got going, I, I said, You know, we need to talk for a minute. Here is what your daughter said, our daughter said, and this is bad. And he looks frightened and scared like a child, my ex, and he says, It's okay it's okay. It, it's all okay. And in that moment, I knew like, this is not okay. This is sick. And I say, this is sick. This, we're, we're doing this. I'm not going to be a part of this. And he just continually kept justifying it. That we'll get through this. We'll get past this. But of course, just like always, there is no action plan. There's no accountability for what we're going to do to get through this. It's just, it's okay. Well, I'm telling you right now, buddy, this isn't okay. And I am not going to just sit by and allow my child, your daughter, my daughter, to think that this is what love is. This is sick. And so that started, that kind of began that ball rolling of inside me, beginning to do my research, beginning to, um, I reached out to a friend of mine who gave me just enough information to stop the rage in the moment that it would happen. So if he became rageful at me, which was all the time, uh, it was like walking on eggshells, walking on crystal, uh, the thinnest crystal. And I knew I would fall through and get cut every day. So it literally became where I would put my hand in front of him like a stop sign. And I would say very, very powerfully, I would match his tone, match his volume, stop. You will not talk to me that way. You will not talk to our children that way. I would push the child behind me if it happened to have a child in front. And I would like, push the child away. Interestingly, most like the younger kids don't remember any of it. Now this is only two years Don. This is only two years, but they have blocked these memories out. I'd push them away and, and the, the child would go and I would just keep my stop fine hand there until I could see the rage leave his face. And I would feel safe to back away. So I didn't leave immediately. Um, th- that happened in September with my daughter. I learned the stop hand sign by mid-September. I started actioning my kind of plan, my pre-holiday get the hell out of Dodge plan. And then my middleest of my children, so um, at that time he would have been 13, 14, he got a concussion and it was a life-altering concussion. And, you know, it, it changed changed the course of his life. He, he was in therapy for two full years with different therapists, different doctors. We saw a total of, including doctors, probably nine different people. And he went for an entire summer to five different types of therapy. I mean, it was massive, massive concussion recovery. So my plan had to go on hold because I didn't have the, the, the I just didn't have it in me to do all of that and get this child through safely. So it became about managing the rage and stopping the rage. And then we got all the way around past Christmas and the concussion like is starting to get to a point where we need more help, we need more specialists, but we're, we're able to manage through our days, right? So we get right past Christmas, right past New Year's and I'm like, okay, now's the time, I'm gonna separate. And my cousin who is now 66, 67 years old and she is developmentally delayed, um, doesn't live alone. I get a call from my mom and she says, we need to go to Jenny's, my cousin, Jenny and Pat's house right now. She thinks that Pat has died. So she lived with her brother and just right after the new year, uh, he died. And she came home with me to live that day. So again, it put the brakes on, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out in a amiable way. Because everything about me has been about making everybody happy, making everybody fulfilled. And so she came home and that put us on a, it was March, the early part of March before we actually separated. And, um, you know, it was, it was just a building up of knowing that this wasn't right, but it took my child to tell me what she was learning for me to go, No this no more no more
0: absolutely isn't that amazing when uh, our kids teach us so much don't they I mean they just teach us so much and the fact that she could see this so clearly and and you couldn't see this it's just amazing and and how much that can change everything because when we when we think it's just about us we deal with it all of a sudden when it's about our kids it's like I'm not going to let this happen to them. (laughs) It's not, we don't think that about ourselves, but but for them, it's like, we'll do Ah. anything for them. It's really, really amazing. But the first time that you put your hand out and said, stop, you must've felt a lot of power or what were you feeling? I mean, were you feeling terrified?
1: Extremely terrified, extremely, extremely terrified. And my, my friend, at the time she assured me this will work. And she knew that because that's what she had learned and it worked for her, but I was terrified. And then the the shock in his face, because my arm was full out. So we are an arm length apart. My hand is a full, and I'm a tall woman. So I have big hands, right? Full, like right in his face, cutting off his eye contact, cutting off his power. It wasn't like A stop sign hand at his chest. It was at his face, because that's where the rage and the vocal hate was coming from. And every time that he would start anything, I would do that. And um, you know, it worked for a really long time, but again, it was a stopgap because there became a point where he went beyond that, right? Right, Threatening to commit suicide if I'm gonna leave. Um, you know, you got it got really really bad it got much worse than a stop
0: hand could stop yeah absolutely yeah and um and so you left and and you started your own life how did that feel how was that time terrifying for you? <laughs> mm. let's get real
1: it was super terrifying I had never been alone in my life never yeah. and even now I'm not alone right my cousin still lives with me I have a renter who happens to be my mom, um, and this is like this house that we built together as a married couple. But this is the property I grew up on, and so I was very emotionally tied to this property through my childhood. Not because I I love the property and it's better than any other property in the world, but because that was what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to love this property. It's a much longer story than we have here, but it just kind of goes back to that like you're going to come feed the horses. You're going to come do this. You oh, you're not going to move out because you have to do this, this, and this. And where are you going to move that you could take horses and dogs at your age? How are you going to afford that, right? So this property that we built a house on that we bought with my money, you know, and, and, and built a house on with our together money, he now was like, he's going to keep it. He's going to take it. And by now the fight's in me. And I'm like, the heck you are. It was much more colorful, but still lacking anger. So basically it became a battle of we separated He moved out into the driveway in a little travel trailer for a number of months. But then we, where we live, there's a lot of fires and so the smoke hit and the kids want, you know, they don't want their dad outside in a travel trailer without air conditioning and smoke filtration. Can he sleep back inside? So well, I said, yes, while the smoke is here, he can sleep inside and he moved back in. Without me knowing it, he moved back in. We have a very small, very tall house at three levels, but it's very small. So it's like a box stacked on top of a box, stacked on top of a box with an A-frame roof. And so he went into that very, very bottom level and he never left until the judge forced him out. So he moved back in downstairs in August of 2019. So we were separated in March. August of 2019, he moved in downstairs. He would not move back out. And, and it had its own entrance and exit, right? So, and some bathroom down there. And there's two boys who kind of share that level as their room. Well, so he slept on the floor in between those two boys from August of 2019, all the way around until June of 2020, when a judge finally signed an order for him to move out. So in Mm -hmm. August, he moved back in September. I finally got the courage and I didn't have the money to go divorce because he, he's not going to just divorce me. He's not going to sign paperwork just because I gave it to him and asked him to sign it. And it's the right thing to do for our family and our kids. And I want one. Nope. He's not going to do that. He's going to fight me tooth and nail. And that's where we're at. Realistically, that's where we're at. Uh, I filed for divorce in September of 2019 started therapy in December of 2019. Now the kids had already been in therapy, all of that 2000, like from March of 2019 forward, but I didn't get into domestic abuse therapy until December of 2019. And thank God I did, because that literally shifted my life. So if nobody takes away anything other than this, in this, this podcast, when they listen to it, therapy with the therapist trained and specializing in the, the, trauma that you've had you will have life altering changes from the work that you do with that therapist. The key is they've got to be trained in what your hurts are. Otherwise it's like oil and vinegar, it's never you're they're never going to understand you and you're never going to think anything good about therapy. Right? They have to know what your breaks are. So anyway, I got into therapy and we bounced in and out of court, COVID hit, we bounced in and out of court and we have been bouncing in and out of court ever since. So he moved out the day the judge signed the orders, he moved out in uh, June of 2020. We did not have a financial agreement. So he would pay me what he felt like putting into the joint account. He kicked me off all the accounts. We had one joint account left and I didn't have courage. Remember I'm, I'm a stay at home mom. I didn't have like a bunch of courage to just grab my kids up who are not toddlers, right? This is 16 to now 10 years old. <laughs> you just think you're going to take a 16, a 14, a 12 and a 10 year old and just rip them out of their life? You are wrong. There's a lot of personalities and a lot of their life that you have to work amongst and Worked a month that I did. I did the very best that I that I could for all of us. So he moves out. We bounce him out of court. There's no temporary financial agreement. Our trial, because he walked out of mediation and he will not mediate. I He's referred to me as chattel property. You are my wife. You signed papers. You are not going anywhere. That kind of stuff. Only much worse. I, I can't remember the, the actual words. But I remember saying, I am not chattel property. And he disagreed. (laughs) And I walked off. So we, we finally, around October, no, it was August, the judge, August of 2020, the judge put out an order for temporary financial support. And it was more than I had asked for. And they fought it. They fought it, they didn't pay September, they didn't pay October, November, December, January, February, or March, 2021. So they fought it in September, they fought it in October. We were, I mean, we were literally in court. So this is all just a waste of lawyer money. Uh, Fought it in September, fought it in October, fought it in November, we're in court in December. And the judge is like, we're done, we are done. But the judge, because it's COVID court, right? Nobody's going. This is all by phone and by some kind of special, miraculous court video process. He doesn't actually sign it until we get all the way around into 2021 and I start hounding my lawyer. Now, mind you, I'm upside down in lawyer fees by this point, right? Because he's not paying his child support or, or his temporary support. He is giving us some money. And I have some money coming in from the work that I did and some support stuff coming in but it isn't the rent coming in but it isn't it isn't enough for us to to do everything that we're needing to do or pay all the bills we need to pay so I finally get my lawyer to look into around March to look into why isn't this fine literally it just got overlooked had I called in February or January he would have signed it right the judge was like oh my god i can't believe this hasn't been signed it just got lost amongst the shuffle they signed it the same day so what do you think happened the day that they signed it guess who fought it they were gonna they, they wanted to fight it again and at that point my attorney said we're done you can't fight it it's an actual judgment this is a legal document so my client is now going to go garnish your wages. If you don't pay by the following Monday, it's like a Thursday or Friday. And literally over the weekends, that money came in. So the amount that was back was in the thousands, thousands and thousands of dollars that he had to pay all at once because he had chosen to withhold all of that money. And he, the thing that frustrates me, Don, and I think that it's important for people to know when you're breaking a cycle of abuse, if if this, for me, the person that I was married to who considers me chattel property, he is not going to let go of me. So even though every single time that we have shown up in front of the judge, he has lost his requests. He has lost everything he's fighting for. Every single time, whatever he asks for, it's a no. And everything that I asked for, which is reasonable, um, is a yes or above right? So I got way more than I was asking for in temporary support. We, we deserve that. And it equalizes and I have 63% of the custody of the kids. So they're here most of the time. But it isn't about for him. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about just prolonging it. And maybe she'll switch her mind. Maybe that property piece will come back under my control. Yeah, It is craziness. Mm. It is crazy. Here we sit. We have a hearing coming up in June but there's already a backup trial scheduled for September. And in September, we'll be two years from the date of me filing for divorce. So mm. we're nowhere Gosh. closer to having a division of assets or any finalization, but we are healthier. The kids and I are all incredibly healthier. My kids have stopped their you know, self-harm Suicidal ideation, drugs, theft, uh, all of those experimental things that kids can do, but some of them incredibly dangerous that they were, a couple of them were in uh, the depths of, those are all gone. Those things are gone. And that I can be really proud of knowing that that was because I finally took that leap of courage and and said, no more, we are not doing this to our children. So yeah. it's uh Got a happy ending coming. Oh
0: my goodness. Already happening.
1: Already happening.
0: That's amazing. It's amazing because you know when you're going to make a leap like leaving a marriage with a toxic person and children who are not coping, you're not jumping out because it's going to be super easy for ages. You know, like it's it's not like, oh, we're just going to jump over here and it's all going to be rainbows. It's just not ever going to be like that you know that there's got to be so much strength to just get you through the initial years of dealing with that and you've still got an ex-partner who is enjoying controlling that situation still by constantly putting stuff back to the courts and um, yeah it's a really really difficult situation and it's certainly not the easy way out at all when you have to leave a marriage in that in those circumstances so amazing amount of strength that you've shown there
1: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds
2: salads generally for most people are the easy button right LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: So apart from therapy, what do you recommend for people who... Are in the similar situation what has really helped you through
1: uh aside from therapy it's really finding places where i'm understood where i'm seen, where i'm valued where my emotional safety is respected and even cherished it's tiny small spaces but the the moment that like the first time that somebody shows up for you emotionally and they don't run away because you you have hurt feelings or whatever. It feels so amazing. And it it just fills that little tiny drops in your bucket of self-worth that you know you then begin to seek out, just build, really build spaces around you of like-minded people who can simply accept who you are, right? Being able to be accepted for who you are is brand new to me. It's uh, you know less than two years old and already it has completely changed and pivoted everything that I do. So for me, it really is finding those support systems, creating those support systems. You have to actively look for like-minded people. You cannot be sitting inactive. Like I sat inactive and secretly researched pages like my big love project. Um, I secretly documented all that stuff. And all that ended up doing was creating more rage in the house because, you know, he was skimming my phone, skimming my emails, skimming my activity, my phone logs. I mean, he had records doubling because he's a computer software developer. So he had everything just secretly going over to him in his copies and compiling reports and data on what I was doing. So then he just thought I was cheating and having an affair. When really I'm just trying to figure out what in the heck is this normal? Is this not normal? Right? So it actually created a worse situation in in that abusive marriage. Um, but on the outside of it, there's nothing better than finding people who simply don't judge, don't shame, and they do exist. I promise you, they do exist.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the biggest things, isn't it? Just finding those people in your life. So what is your relationship like with your mom now?
1: Well, that is a really structured relationship now. So my mom went through and and goes through even now some chaos because like I said earlier, so she she lost her uh, apartment because they wanted to sell the house that she lived in and she needed a place to go. I needed a renter in order to be able to keep this place. So we refashioned part of the garage into an apartment. And she rents that apartment and shares a shower and bathroom facility. At first it was normal because she had the same access to me that she's always had. Me abandoning myself, showing up even when I didn't want to, she had complete and utter full access to whatever she needed or wanted from me. And I would do whatever she needed whenever she wanted. I had no boundaries. I didn't know what they were. Through therapy though, as I've learned boundaries, And I've begun implementing those boundaries. I have created, I would say, the healthiest relationship I'll ever have with my mom. Now, um, she would disagree. She would disagree because she's not getting her needs met, right? Because I don't, you know, uh, for instance, she wanted to go to lunch yesterday and I said, no, I have work and I'm doing all of these different things. Now, this is by text. Because I have very strong boundaries. You don't get to just walk into, you rent that area. This is where I live. So if you're going to be in here, you're going to be nice. You're going to be respectful. You're going to be kind. You will not be in here attacking. You will not be in here telling me what I need to be doing different with my life. You will not, you know, so this really strong and this took months to implement these boundaries. And a couple of times she came in and saying really mean things, even attacking what kind of a parent I am. I'm a really good parent dog. I'm a really, really good parent. And I literally chased her out of my house, just, just like I did with that stop sign hand. I put my arm up, I pointed to the door, and I said, out, like, like I was the mother. Get out. You will not talk to me in my house that way. I actually felt like I was the mother and chased her, literally walked her right out to the door. And the weird thing about that, here's the weird thing, because this is a lot like my ex. After a great big blow up, they don't seem to remember those things. They pick up. Like nothing at all has happened because that first time that I chased her out of the house with my boundary, you will not call me a bad mother. I am not a bad mother just because I don't punish my children the way that she would. Well, that worked out real well for you, didn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. let's not go down that road. But um, I actually went and called my therapist and I, I said, this is what happened. This is the boundary I set. So I, was, I also reached out after setting a hard boundary I reached out to somebody that I trust and respect to give me feedback, to help me get through the, the chaos of setting a boundary like that on my parents. That's a really hard thing to do, Yeah, but it worked. And I've had to set those boundaries every, every now and then, uh, but now I don't feel the chaos after them. I just set the boundary without emotion and I go on about my day. And like when she asked me to dinner and, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I've got this, this, and this. She came back around. Well, I'll just keep it, I'll keep it open just in case. Nope, we're not keeping it open. There is no just in case. So I have to just close that door. So learning boundaries and that, that took, um, you know, better part of a year to get to the point of setting boundaries, understanding when I need to, setting them, holding them. And now I'm enjoying no chaos. I feel no chaos when I set a boundary because finally at 51 and a half years old I actually kind of like myself not actually I love myself I love the woman that I am and nobody not even my mom gets to take that away from me
0: oh I love that yay for you (laughs) I love that right Yay! I love a happy dance (laughs) I love that love that love that so what do you really want for your kids now in their lives what do you wish for them going forward
1: Oh, that is such a great, um, that's a great question because we have talked about that in therapy. And then we've talked about that individually, my children and I, and now we're at the ages of 12, 14, almost 15, 16, and 18. And my 18 year old graduates next weekend and he's off to college in a couple of months. And wow. so for them through all of this, it just has been, a, a, the message has been consistent. Your chaos is my fault. It's my fault. And I'm not going to allow you to go forward and be abusive to your wife or your husband or to be a victim to a spouse, a wife, or a husband that I'm not going to allow that. This ends with me. So like it or not, you are going to get your butt to therapy and you're going to sit there and you're going to develop a relationship and a normalization that it is okay to have somebody who is skilled and trained to talk to. Just as if you had a broken wrist and you a go see a doctor, we have broken our sense of self, our, we've abandoned all sense of emotional safety. We're relearning it from the ground up. So really what I have always told them and evidence that I want for them is I want them to feel independent, emotionally whole, able to talk to me about anything without fear of shame or judgment. And I want them to carry that forward into their world with the underlying knowledge that they can always seek professional guidance and support at any point in their life when they need it. Really the, the under, I didn't realize this at first, but developing that relationship with teenage children and tween, so one of them is just a tween, but developing that powerful relationship of having a therapist, somebody that you can go bounce the day off is really an important normalization as a parent. That, that I've given them. I feel like that's a gift that I've given them to help them through the rest of their life. And you know, my, um, my oldest was very abusive, very, very abusive to me. And he has, his, he has undone that. He has done the work because again, the therapist is skilled in domestic abuse and recovery of that for teenage children or children of all ages. Um, she's a certified child therapist as well as all of her other things. But because um, we, we, the first therapist could only get us so far. He couldn't, he didn't have any of the training in domestic abuse or narcissistic abuse recovery. He couldn't get us where we needed to go. So we were, we stalled out and then COVID hit and we couldn't get in to see him anyway. He didn't call me back. So I just switched him, And it's been the best thing ever. Wow.
0: That's actually um, really good advice that, if you go to see somebody and it's not working for you it's nothing to do with actual therapy it's to do with the person and you've just got to find the person that resonates with you and has the the experience and the knowledge that's actually going to help your individual situation so that's 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 really good advice. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nita, you have a fabulous podcast and Instagram page. You talk a lot about your own journey as a domestic abuse survivor. You're talking all things mental health, and you also have the What's Up Coaching. Tell us about everything that you're doing because it's all just so amazing.
1: Thank you so much, and thank you for being a recent guest on my podcast. Yeah, I appreciated it. so much. And that was um, a a wonderful conversation that we had. Thank you for doing that. I originally started my Instagram page and my podcast around the same time in uh, early 2020 as a space to heal and to share my journey. I heal outward best. And so it really just started out as, gosh, I, I, I need to plunk this stuff somewhere besides just my journal. So I started a glimpse into the moment And podcast and Instagram page around that same time. And it just kind of felt like, oh, oh, I feel so good. It just, it it really was primarily to help me in my healing process and my healing path. Moving forward into COVID world a little bit more, it started to pick up a little traction and people resonated and conversations started happening out of it. Uh, I already had a friendship with the founder of Team Sherudo And he and I decided to create what'sup.org, which is Normalizing Mental Health Conversations. So long about June or July of 2020, we launched that in addition to our two individual advocacy pages. His is on uh, cross addiction, drugs, and alcohol, and soccer. So it's all things to do with empowering young soccer players, but it, it grew to empowering People like you and I as well, who, um, I don't know about you, but I don't run around chasing a soccer ball. I coach soccer, ran a soccer league, but I was not the soccer player in the, in the family. But um, so he has that platform. I have a glimpse into the moment. Together, we created WhatsApp. And then we took that a step further here as we're entering into 2021. We both know how much we love working with people and coaching people. And we, we both coached uh, on the athletic side for years and years and years. And we've worked with people on that emotional um, safety side, like, right, really coaching people through difficult problems through the sports arena. But we knew that we wanted to take our work a step further. And so we both took a course, just completed our course. I just got my results and passed my course. And I am now a certified, thank you. I was super <laughs> excited about it. I am a certified life coach. Wow. And that's just the first of the courses that we'll take, but we are now working on and building um, our platform to fully launch URU Connection Coaching. So URU is a double meaning there. It is actually the soccer program that I founded here in the Upper Rogue and had at one time um, 800 kids playing at one season in our region. And it's the acronym for Upper Rogue United is URU. When we pull that into Connection Coaching, what we really focus on, because what's worked for us is building that connection within. So if we don't love ourselves, if we don't have self-worth, self-respect, if we don't have the ability to set healthy boundaries, we can never be anything for anybody else, truly fully in our full capacity. So you are you really is about building you to be the best you that you can possibly be. So we are um, really excited to be taking a glimpse into the moment Team Sherudo, whatsapp.org, and pulling all of that advocacy work together under a coaching platform of URU Connection Coaching, which will be coming out really soon. And that oh. is all born out of a woman listening to a nine-year-old little girl telling her what love was. Oh. And uh, yeah, on my side of it, on John's side of it, you've had John on, and I know that people can go and listen to John's story on your podcast. It's a great listen. And, uh, and he has his own reasons for being here, but it's very similar to anybody else who's, who's been led a life of self abandonment, right? Once we absolutely. begin self abandoning, we live a life of self abandonment and taking, taking our lives back is the most powerful gift that we can give ourselves, but that we can also give to our children.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love all of that. And I'll put the links to a glimpse into the moment and What's up into the show notes so that people can find you nice and easily. But definitely go over and 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 check out what Nita's doing because Mm -hmm. it's all fantastic stuff. And the new coaching sounds amazing. Nita, it's been a huge journey for you. And Mm -hmm. I was honored that you would share so much of it with me today. The fact that this all changed for you on one conversation, like you say, with your nine-year-old daughter and It's just you've shown so much strength in everything you've done since that moment to to change everything for yourself and your family. So thank you so much for sharing everything with us today. It's been really amazing chatting with you.
1: Thank you, Dawn. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening.
0: Check the show notes for a direct link to all books recommended in this episode. Come and follow me on Instagram at mybigloveproject. Drop a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me.
2: I'll catch you next week.